0: Wednesday, December 14th, one day before a number of players become eligible to be traded from other teams. There's a lot of speculation going around. And what better way to kick off the newest episode of Keep It at 94 than with Brian Fritz, who's back from vacation. About 10 days away from the holiday season and then see if my math's right 17 18 days away from a brand new year but Brian he's back from Italy he's been exploring all over the place meanwhile I've been here in Ohio not freezing my ass off by the way it hasn't been too bad but probably would have rather had some mozzarella and some pizza and some pasta probably just like he was doing
1: I did a lot of that. My wife and I, we ate our way through Italy, which was fantastic. So, by the way, I would like to throw it out there. Um, I feel like I have some cover this week that if I mispronounce any names or if I say something nonsensical, that um, I can chalk it up to the jet lag from uh, taking three flights back to the United States just a couple of days ago. So uh, I'm going to use that as my excuse.
0: That works for me, man. That that works for me, but... Have you been paying attention to the association since you've been back? I mean, there's, you know, call this the broken record podcast here. Okay, because we're going to say the same thing. Nobody has created separation except for like three teams. There's three teams in my eyes that have done that. Boston is obviously one of them. The Bucks are another. And, you know, you kind of can talk about the Pelicans and Memphis. But, I mean, really, it might only be two. It might only be two, to to be completely honest, but ebbs and flows and fans are going nuts. They think that they have the answers, but the truth of the matter is this, is that the NBA has parody, and I've said this a million times over on this podcast, so we won't spend too much time on that. We'll talk about who we like and who's hot right now, who's not, but... I just want to see the reactions of all the fans. I want to watch a game with these fans and see what they think. Because clearly they think, you know, they could be a head coach, armchair, general managers, whatever you want to say. But the fact of the matter is that all of these teams have come to play. And that's the fun part. I think that's the best part of this NBA season is no one knows what the hell is going on, Brian, and that makes it fun and unpredictable and the way it should be.
1: Absolutely, and this is the way that we thought it was going to be before the season, and it's definitely played out that way, especially in the West. Uh, I thought the West was going to be a little bit better, but yeah, they've showed a lot of parity there. The East, you have the two teams that I think we all believe are the best teams in the NBA, at least so far this season, when it comes to the Celtics and the Bucks, but you know, there's definitely some more separation there, but like you said, because if you look in the West right now, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies are tied for the top spot, but only seven games separates the first 13 teams in the West in the East. The first through six seeds are separated by seven games. So it's a lot more squished together in the West. There's teams that are still kind of in it, you mm-hmm. know, or not that far back, you know, you know, considering what it is compared to the East right now.
0: Can we show some love to the Pelicans? I, I let's let's start there. I, I know that they just got drubbed uh, last night, and of course that's after Zion Williamson wins the Western Conference Player of the Week. You know, they go into Utah and. The Jazz, they're still playing good ball. They're not as hot as they were to start the season. I understand that. But they're still a, still a tough team. But, but with the Pelicans in in particular, man. I, I, I want to go on some sort of tirade over people that now are switching up so quickly with Zion Williamson. And I'm proud to say that I never had but these people that were complaining and complaining and complaining about last year and how he wasn't playing. What do you say now? This dude, I think someone on Twitter put it perfectly. He's like the Giannis of the Western Conference. And no, that's not by his length, that's not by his amazing, you know, like ability to make his teammates like that much better. It's about the sheer dominance of this dude. And when you have 6'6", 285 pounds coming at you, what the hell do you do? What do you do? Mind you, this is a guy that missed the entire season last year because of a foot injury. He's played in 22 games this year. He's looking healthy. He has that kind of pep in his step. But he's doing the same stuff that we saw at Duke, the same stuff that we saw when he was a high schooler and he got the hype train. I mean, Brian, since I don't even know if we want to go December, but since November 30th, he's averaging 39.52 steals, 67% from the field. I hate being numbers guy because when you watch the tape, you don't even need the numbers. But this dude is just showcasing his sheer dominance, and this is a Pelicans team that hasn't had Brandon Ingram in the lineup all that time. And the same, you're seeing these guys kind of come up here too. Again, C.J. McCollum has been playing, you know, more of that point guard role. I love the the job that Jose Alvarado's done. Um, J.V. as a center is always, you know, big big time. Trey Murphy the third's having a great year. Larry Nance Jr. never nearly gets enough credit. For what he does but it all starts with what Zion's been able to do and I think that that in and of itself shows the kind of impact he can have for them when they get to this playoff position because they are going to
1: just go back to a couple seasons ago when you saw the promise of Zion and how much fear he put in everybody and it all came down to can he just stay in shape and can he stay healthy and unfortunately, he missed all of last season. And because that was yet another issue with him health wise, I think a lot of people were discounting him. But the Pelicans. The switch bought up's in.
0: hilarious. Yeah, the switch I mean, up's hilarious, though.
1: The Pelicans bought in, they gave him the max extension. They, they believed in him because they saw the way he was working out during the offseason. And it's paying off right now because he is a cornerstone to their franchise. This is what they gambled on, and it's worked out very well. And, you you know, you talk about, like, what this team has done, even without Brandon Ingram going out of the lineup. And the other thing is, too, when you mentioned C.J., C.J. McCollum is having a bad season stat-wise. I mean, he's shooting 40% on the season. He's only shooting 32% from three, and he's missed some games as well. And he's he's dealt with some kind of nagging thing, so it's not like everybody else is covering for him um, when it comes to Zion and you know having this big season. I mean, you look at the Pelicans right now, okay, tied atop the West at eighteen and nine. Zion's putting up big numbers. You mentioned other contributors on the team. This is a team that's still getting healthy.
0: Shout out Dyson Daniels, by the way. Great rookie. Uh, somebody I interviewed a couple of years ago when he was just about to play for the G League Ignite. And he is looking fantastic How much as room a defender, as a playmaker, shooting the ball all right. Shout out Dyson. But how much
1: room does this team still have to where it can improve? Because I don't think they're, they're close to their ceiling right now. No. I, like on not. a scale of 10, I would say they're probably like at a 7 right now. So, I mean, they they got plenty of room to grow and... You know, we'll get into this a little bit later, but they probably have a move in them if they want. They want to make because I mean they've got they've got tradable assets plus picks up the wazoo, including they own the Lakers picks for next season. They've got so many other picks from the the Drew Holiday trade from Milwaukee. So I mean, they've got things that they can do. I think the biggest question that people will have right now about the Pelicans is because they've improved so much um, just this season to where, you know, with all the injuries and Zion being out last year and, you know, they get McCollum, you know, later on that you, we saw how they played last year. We saw how they're playing this year. Do people really believe that they've been together long enough to where they are true contenders? Or are they right now just a really good regular season team that's going to make the playoffs, but we don't know exactly how far we think they can go this year. Maybe it's, I'm sure there's going to be some people that say, yeah, I think they're good. But, you know, when it comes that time in the postseason, that they won't make it to the finals and they're not a true contender, at least this year. But the way that the West is shaping up, especially, I Thank don't think you. you could say that.
0: Thank you. No, I was gonna say, tell me the team that's really separating themselves in the West right There's now. That no they one. can't be.
1: You, yeah. you can't because I mean, you look at the just run down the teams right now. The Memphis Grizzlies, okay, they're eighteen and nine. They've won six in a row. They're on. A hot Shout street. out
0: JJJ. Eight blocks the other night.
1: Yep. And they're, they're doing it without Desmond Bain, who's going to be out for at least another mm-hmm. two to three weeks, you know, with his toe injury. The Nuggets have been kind of up and down. The Suns are hurting right now, plus they've lost five in a row. You know, Booker's missing time. Um, Aiton and Payne both left their game on Tuesday night. Uh, with Chris injuries. Chris Paul's looking
0: old. And Chris again. Paul,
1: hey man, Father Time is unbeaten. So there's that. You know, the Blazers. You know, they started the season hot, then they took a step back. Now they've heated up again. You know, they're 15 and 12. They won two in a row. Damian Lillard the other night put on a freaking shooting.
0: 11, 11,
1: 11, Brian, 11 triples. Eleven, and I thought he was going to break Steph Curry's record because he was at ten with time left in the third the fourth.
0: quarter. He didn't play the fourth.
1: I know because they were beating beating that ass so bad. And then the Clippers got Kawhi back. They got PG. They had a statement win against the Celtics a couple of nights ago, so they're looking better. Sacramento Kings have arguably behind the the Celtics. The best offense in the league they have definitely one of the best i mean yes but i mean the kings have looked so much better and if they want to make a move this year they can i mean and the the jazz the freaking jazz are are still above 500 mm-hmm. they're not going anywhere the mavericks have been disappointing but they're right around 500 the warriors they're great at home they suck on the road so Absolutely far stink and they think they road. need to make a Both. move you know the Timberwolves—they're below 500. You know they're hurting without Cat right now. Their their offense and their their team identity is just lost. And then you've got the Lakers who we'll
0: tease everybody.
1: They just we'll get- tease you with it, but you know they 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 can't get it together.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, see, you have Shea Gilas Alexander who is an MVP candidate at the moment on a five games under 500 team, but they don't have guys that can shoot worth a lick. I just saw that the other night in Cleveland, San Antonio. They're starting to play with more, um, belief. They've beaten some significant teams. Ever They went on an 11 game losing streak and have won three in a row against the red hot rockets at Miami. And then they just beat the Cavs. Um, so those are significant wins, but they're going to they trade haven't.
1: some guys too. Probably. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: <laughs> well, that coincides with, you know, Josh Richardson being back too. don't forget that, you know, they, they needed some of that kind of punch. Um, and then Houston, who might be the most dangerous team of the league at the moment, uh maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but they have been competing in the month of December. I, honestly the last couple of weeks, they have been playing some really good teams and they have really stepped up. And uh, you know, Chine Aguamake on uh ESPN, I love this year, you know, supporting the the, the Houston stuff, because, you know, this is a team that admittedly early in the season, I was talking about how they don't have a vet. How are you going to develop guys? But they have, they've been playing better. Jabari Smith Jr. in particular, um, really shooting better here as of late. Um, he defended Giannis beautifully on Sunday. And uh, they came out that win over Milwaukee. They just beat the Suns uh, last night. Looked good in that one. Uh, beat the the Sixers in a double overtime game a week ago. You know, like so they've been looking better. God, I love the 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 youth when they come together is very fun to watch. Um Alper and Shangun still doesn't get the ball enough in his hands. Um and they need to utilize him as a, a handoff guy more. Um and he's got really good footwork in the post too, but it's obviously not a post up league. Um but, you know, transition Tari, what I like to call Tari Eason, one of their uh bright young rooks, uh has done a phenomenal job. He he picked uh uh, Chris Paul's pocket the uh, the other night and uh, went for a transition dunk the other way. He is just so fun and energetic to watch play. Uh, you know, you gotta give Kevin Porter Jr. a lot of credit. He's turning the ball over a lot, but he has been playing that point guard role pretty decently and uh, is is enjoying a career season as well. KJ Martin off the bench. There's so many young guys that are getting a lot of shine right now, and I think um, they deserve their just due. Uh, they're you know, playing really inspired basketball right now, I think, is the way to say it. And uh, to see the way they came out against Phoenix last night in Steven Salas' first game back since his father Paul passed away, I think that spoke volumes about how much they love their head coach. And the, the way that uh, they've played here the last couple weeks, I think, um, is showing that progress is not linear
1: well, as bunched up as the West is, when you look at the East, you know, when we talk about like the Celtics and the Bucks have definitely mm-hmm. separated themselves. People wondered, oh, can the Cavs keep it up? And so far, they have.
0: Uh, you know, I can go on a whole tangent about that team right now. But they're, I would also say
1: the thing I think that surprised some people, myself included, is the way that the Brooklyn Nets have turned themselves
0: yes, around. Yes, sir. You, yes, sir.
1: You talk about this team. And we kept wondering, like, can they just find their way through the fog? Can they get out of their own way and just play basketball? And they kept throwing up roadblock after roadblock when it came to this summer. Are they going to trade Kyrie? KD wants a trade. Okay, now we're going to fire our coach, but the GM is going to stay. You know, Kyrie gets in more trouble off the court, and is he going to be able to come back and, you know, all the noise around him. But now they've gotten – through those things and they've started just playing basketball, eight out of nine, not as much noise, not as much chatter, all of that. They've won eight or nine, like you said, you know, and they're a team now that's five games over 500 before the season. We kind of wondered like, you know, if they can just get past all this, can they be a good team? And they're starting to put it together. I still stay starting because while they won eight of nine, there's more to build on here. They still have some some issues, I think, on this team. I still think they need another big, but they're putting it together and they've got moves they can probably do. And they're a team you gotta really look out for now.
0: Can we shout out the Nets too for that lineup on Sunday? They had eight guys, eight guys out, including KD, Kyrie. Joe Harris, they like Seth Curry. There, there was an entire list of guys that were out. And then you go out and beat a pretty solid Pacers team on the road to do that and keep the momentum going. You got to shout out those guys. You got to shout out Edmund Sumner. You got to shout out Cam Thomas with 33 off the bench. You know, you got to shout out guys like Utah Watanabe who has been playing with those reserves, but also with the big time players and I think needs a lot more love the way that he's been able to spread the floor and defend um you know he was out for a little while there um from before Thanksgiving and um until uh the, the 10th uh with an injury but I will say the the way that he's played with KD and Kyrie in particular has been very encouraging and he was somebody too in in Toronto that A lot of their fans loved him because of the way that he competed. And it feels like this coaching staff with Brooklyn and Jock Vaughn understands that playing the right way will earn you minutes. And uh, Utah has done that. And I think, uh, you know, those coaches really appreciate the way he brings that every night. And uh, to your point, man, I mean, Kyrie's just looked better. Uh, You know, Kevin Durant's going to do what Kevin Durant does. But Kyrie has just looked better. And I think, you know, buying into the defensive end has a lot to do with it. I think the way that he's been able to kind of play off of KD, the way that we imagine he plays off KD, right? Um, it really helps, it really helps. And he's been tremendous the last, you know, three, three, four or five games. Um, and and like you said, he um, has not had, you know, all the chatter surrounding him, um, which, you know, obviously helps, uh, but... But the team in general, I think, deserves a lot of credit for the way they've, you know, kind of come through here and, uh, you know, responded to what you want to call adversity. You know, like, I think that's big time. And Jock Vaughn is a hell of a coach, and we knew that coming out of the bubble. Um, And and he's done a good job with them. Uh, And they're only going to get better. You know, TJ Warren just got back. Um, That's just going to add to their scoring abilities and have a – a wing that can do the things that he does. It's a, it's a good team. And I've never moved off of that idea. You had to get rid of the off court drama. I understand that, but they've been playing well.
1: They've been playing well, and I still think they have room to improve shooting-wise because KD and Kyrie Irving are both shooting under 35% from three-point range. And, you know, Joe Harris, he's still kind of coming back from his offseason ankle injury.
0: And he could he, be had. That's all I'll say. He could be had by a team that is wing-needy and shooter-needy.
1: Well, I know a certain team on the West Coast that probably fits that bill, but there's a lot <laughs> of teams that need that. Um, <laughs> he just doesn't play any defense. I mean, you know, that, that could be a problem. So, um, yeah, I mean, because he you know, he hasn't been kind of the contributor that they thought he was going to be because of that injury, um, he is a guy that I think they they could move. It was it was funny because, like, in the offseason, they thought, you know, there was talk that he was going to be back and he was going to be fine. And it's like, nope, the staff loves Joe Harris, and there's no way that they're going to move this guy. And then uh, they still love him, but they also understand, like, We've got a limited window here, man. We got to keep KD happy, and we got Kyrie, you know, only for this season. Who knows about the future? And um, you know, we're starting to play well, so let's let's leave you know every option open here, and you know, uh, we'll we'll see where this goes. But um, they're a team that I was starting to really give up on. KD, it's
0: the five lineups are my favorite, and 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 let me actually kind of rebuff on the shooting thing you brought up. Yeah, he's not shooting that great from three. Neither is Kyrie. Understand that.
1: But KD's shooting fifty six percent from the field for the season though.
0: Yeah. No, what I wanted to point out, from three to ten feet, a career high sixty point seven percent. From ten to sixteen feet, a career high sixty one point four percent. Yeah. So there you have it. Just from he's doing mid range yeah. KD, it's what K D does.
1: He's doing uh, you know, he's doing his best to DeRozan impression.
0: Oh, D- DeMar does his best KD impression. Yeah, I know. I, know. I, just, I
1: wanted to see if I got you there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, much love to DeMar, though. He's still attacking the cup and trying, trying to Always. do what he's doing.
1: Always. Man, DeMar's great, man. Mm-hmm. So, But, I mean, I, I want to see what the Nets do because, like I said, I still think they need a big. Uh, they've got moves that they can do. I think there's some bigs that are going to be available um, and you're know, not flashy names, but just guys that will go out there, blue collar work, you know, bring the lunch pail. And, Noel, oh, for example, Mason Plumley, yeah, you know, guys like
0: that. Oh, come back home, Mace. Yeah. come back home, buddy.
1: I'm just saying, throw that out there. I mean, I I don't know if they, you know, if it's a if it's a case of uh, he suddenly got old or not, but like Javale McGee. Who yep. has two years left in his contract? And is only playing like five minutes a game when you were supposed to be like, oh, he's going to be a real help because he's a rim runner and yep. you know doesn't need the ball and everything. And the Mavericks aren't even playing him anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, you know, he, I think that the uh, JaVale could be had, even though he's what thirty four now. I want to say something like that. So, yeah, I but
0: know, I mean, the age is nothing there on on that type of you know environment.
1: So I sure. well, what I'm saying though is has he hit a wall or what's going on there Whether they're not playing him? Is he just not the fit that they thought? I'd be like, I, I need an answer there.
0: Oh, Dallas. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So because not he has
0: good with, with Luca. Yeah. I mean, and rolls or whatever, he makes
1: $5 million but, a year, basically, you know? So, I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a very easy contract,
0: yeah.
1: you know, and the third year I don't even think is guaranteed. So that's getting too far in the weeds here. But I mean, like there, mm-hmm. there's some bigs that are going to be available for teams that just kind of
0: you bet that need... Dwayne Dedman would be available. Oh, you know, like yeah. That's one. You know, just
1: something like that, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's guys that can help teams that aren't big names. They're just good role players that go out there and they set their screens. Could they... always call Atlanta Tech... about
0: Frank Kaminsky.
1: Sure, why not? Frank tank <laughs> man. Get him. <laughs> so, you go out there, you rebound, you set screens, you play good defense, and, uh, you know, you, you mop up the, the offensive glass, and, hey, there you go. Yeah. That's all we hey, need. Hey, there you
0: go. You know, or you or could try and pry Kelly Olinick from Utah. I mean, do you see what Walker Kessler is doing? Shoot.
1: I'm I'm wow, telling you right it. now, I mentioned this two weeks ago. We did the podcast about, like, the deal I thought L.A. should do, and it was for Utah still yeah. to get Kelly Olenek. And Kelly O'Linick, if Utah wants to trade him, he will help a team. Oh, 100%. He will big-time help a team. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's going to come down to whether or not Utah wants to do that. We, we hold off on that for a minute because I mean we can talk about what teams are thinking, going to do trades or, or whatever. But
0: I was going to say we didn't finish going through the East. Well, here's the thing <laughs> that I look at like
1: going into the season, and uh, the way that season began, we had certain premonitions about like this team's going to be bad, this team's going to be good, things like that. Now, and now you start to wonder going. Okay, I don't know where my confidence lies on certain teams because I'm sitting there going, Oh, I thought the Suns, you know, they could still be a pretty good team. I, 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 they, I are.
0: They, they are, they it, are. It, it, teams go through ups and downs. I got do. nothing about that. They I do. will say, Chris has looked old. I will, I will say, Chris has looked old.
1: He's been banged but, up, though, too. So, by the
0: same token, you know, I think Damian Lee's looks tremendous for him. I think campaign's having a good season. Um, you know, Aiton's playing a, a, a good brand of basketball at the moment, but, but
1: the Suns were a team that I—I yeah. had—I'm not the only one, but I had a lot of questions about. Like, I thought they're going to take a step back. The other team I was going to mention, though, was the Timberwolves, who I really questioned how that was going to work. Mm-hmm. And I know that they've got a huge injury with Cat, but that team just looks lost to me.
0: They're weird. They're, They're a weird, weird they are a weird bunch. And Finch that game I was talking about with Portland when we were talking about Dame making eleven trays, that was the game that we were talking about that no one played in the fourth quarter is because it was a blowout. Um Finch basically came out and said they got their asses kicked and you know, no choice but to move on to the next one and hope they do better kind of thing. It's a really interesting weird vibe over there. I don't know. I don't know. I. I also. It's weird. I, I. I haven't watched enough wolves basketball to make any like resounding conclusions. So I'm not going to.
1: They're not the most fun team to watch, though.
0: Like, I want to know how you know. From what I've seen from Ant, he still looks like he's playing fine, and the numbers would suggest that. Um, I. I I've always questioned the d-low fit there he's he's obviously picked it up as far as his percentages are concerned he doesn't um, fit
1: and he's in the last year of his contract so he's a guy that i would i would wonder are they going to move him because they don't they're so far over the cap it's like they just can't let him walk in free agency from the standpoint that like they'll lose that slot yeah. so but i don't know who's gonna they're gonna have to attach stuff maybe to move him, and and they don't have anything to attach because they gave it all away to Utah to get Rudy Gobert.
0: They did. They they definitely have Rudy. They have Rudy for a while. Um,
1: Is it bad when Rudy is down in the post asking for the ball and everybody's just shaking him off or, like,
0: ignoring him? I mean, that's the problem, too, when Rudy has to be in the middle and you know that. Ant is primarily somebody who is very attack oriented. And we talked about that earlier in the season. But again, I haven't watched enough Wolves basketball to make these conclusions. So I'm not going to Um Would but you they, like they to just feel very off. They feel yeah. weird to me.
1: Would you like to make any kind of conclusions about what the hell is going on with the Golden State Warriors?
0: Uh for me, it's depth. For me, it's it's absolutely depth and uh, not defending. That I, I think that's a pretty simple conclusion there. Oh, I do too. Because uh, they miss Otto Porter Jr. Or World, uh, a lot. They they miss Gary Payton II a ton. By the way, he's going to be coming back to Portland soon. I'm really looking yeah. forward to seeing what he does there. Well, I think but, one of the biggest yeah. problems
1: with the Warriors when it comes to depth is Moses Moody has not panned out so far the way they thought. Jonathan Kaminga has not panned out so far the way that they thought. And James Wiseman minutes, definitely
0: has. You know,
1: Wiseman, you know, he's down in the G league, you know, but I mean,
0: Kamiga's been playing a ton lately,
1: right? But they thought Uh, Moody and Kamiga were going to try to, you know, deliver a lot more. And that has not been the case to where they've had to put other guys out. I mean, Anthony Lamb has played well for them so far. Wiggins
0: is, uh, he's hurt, hurt. Mm -hmm. you know, so
1: that doesn't help. I mean, they're, they're like crying for a move there, but like, it still seems weird when you see the Warriors and their splits at home and on the road, I mean, twelve and two at home, two and twelve on the road, including getting their butts kicked on Tuesday night by Milwaukee. Uh,
0: Boy, they are a machine. I and love watching. Steph Milwaukee. Steph
1: Curry tonight. is having one of his best statistical seasons he's ever had.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is what it is, you know. And it's crazy how splits uh, for for you know home roads go. And before I transition into what I wanted to talk about. Jermichael Green also sticks out to me, too. Um, Just not hitting his shots. And he's getting less and less and less playing time as it goes along. It would not surprise me to see them try and get something for Jermichael or to just send Jermichael somewhere to a team who needs, you know, a tough rebounding, uh, you know, defending uh, force a guy who can make knock down an op, open shot. I, I wonder where Jermichael Green would fit well because he's a really talented basketball player. Um, he just does not fit the bill of what they need, it feels like. that's the, In the last couple seasons, he's really lost his shooting touch a little bit, but um, he'll go and get your rebound. He'll, he'll defend you okay. Um, he's a good death piece for someone that needs it, but this year has just not been his year, and it's not going well with Golden State. It seems Um, so that's someone to look at. But I wanted to get back to home and road splits because there's a team in the Eastern conference who has the same exact problem that the Golden State Warriors do. That's the Cavs. That is the Cavs. It's nuts how Jekyll and Hyde this club is right now between home and road, especially because this is a team that beat the Celtics on the road in their home court in overtime. So what's the problem, right? What's the problem? Well, they're not coming out with enough juice. Their first quarter splits, I don't know what the hell the numbers are, but I know they can't look good because they are not coming out with enough juice to start these games. They take on Dallas on Wednesday night. That's going to be, this podcast will be released probably right before that, I'm going to assume. They can't get off to a slow start. It's just not going to work with this type of team. Because what they do is they go on this like miraculous second-half run to make it look like they could have won the game. And they could have against San Antonio the other night. But they were down by like 20 in that third quarter because they were playing catch-up the whole way. And what's it going to take? Well, you know, Donovan Mitchell's been playing really good basketball. Really good basketball. Uh, Karis Levert has found something, thank goodness, uh, over the last week as a facilitator, as somebody who does the drive and wrap around dumps, uh, who has found a little bit of pull-up shooting uh, the last couple games, which is a, a huge, huge sign of relief, I I would have to imagine, uh, for this, this team because he was making the shots he usually didn't make and missing the shots he usually made uh, in his career. You know? But... For this, it, it honestly it comes down to not turning the ball over. Uh, I feel like Darius Garland, uh, the last you know week has just not been himself. There is no shape, way, or form of saying this is who he is as a basketball player. Slumps happen, but some of his turnovers have been coming in the most inopportune of times. Um, you know, you got to take care of the basketball. You can't over dribble into penetration where the bigs can surround you and force you to make a bad decision. Just is what it is. Uh, can that come down to coaching? Absolutely can. But at the same time, you just can't hand the other team the ball. And his home road splits are incredibly, incredibly different. Uh, I, I just want to read you this. So, on at home, okay, so these are 11 games each, Bri. 11 games in 37 minutes, game averaging 26 and 8. Uh, he is shooting 46.9 from deep, 50% from the field. His true shooting is 64%. And uh, he is a net plus 15.2, according to basketball reference. Okay? So basically in the same amount of time on the road, he's averaging 16.6, 7.4 assists, Field goal percentage is 33.9. Three-point percentage is 28.4. True shooting a ghastly 45.5. And his net rating is a minus 7.2 in 35 minutes a game. So that, I think, tells the story, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, of why the Cavs can't play on the road, partially because DG's just not playing well on the road. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. There's not really much other, um, you know, because this is a team that goes as DG goes, at least it was in the past. But they have Donovan Mitchell now, so the team actually goes more like Mitchell goes at this point. Um, I did write last week that I feel like Jared Allen is the Cavs' most important player that they have. Um, you can read that on basketballnews.com, by the way. But, uh, DGs just not getting him the ball uh early and uh they're just you know kind of discombobulated on that end and when they don't play good offense because they have the slowest team in the league they do play at the league's slowest rate their pace is um 95.7 uh possessions a game that means that their their defense is going to suffer because they're not getting back in transition on D and what they did against San Antonio was flat-out embarrassing. Um, in the first half or something like that, they had, or in the first quarter, they gave up, I think, uh, maybe this wasn't the first quarter, but they had 10 offensive rebounds in a, a stretch or something like that. The Spurs did. And uh, J.B. Bickerstaff was talking about that game and how they came back, yeah, and they had a chance to win, but the basketball gods punished them because they didn't play the right way for 48 minutes. And it seems like the team is getting really irked talking about the road because it's happening over and over and over again that they're getting off to these slow starts. But Donovan Mitchell was like, hey, at this point, you got to do it. We're we're tired of giving you guys the same tropes and whatever. We just got to go out there and do it. So keep an eye on the Cavs on the road too because they're doing what Golden State is doing. Not as badly because the the Cavs do have the talent to – you know, win games that they're not supposed to. Like for instance, they're five and nine on the road. Like it's not ideal, but it's not you know whatever. The Golden State Warriors have like two or three wins. I think it is
1: two and twelve.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's not to that point. But the home road thing, it's real in Cleveland too. So that's something that uh, people should pay attention to.
1: Well, the other place it's real is in Toronto because they're ten and three at oh, home and three God. and eleven on the road.
0: Oh God, man, Toronto. What what happened? I, so. This one is an interesting case study to me. Um, you know, OG's been out. Precious chew has been out for a while now. That, that doesn't really um, affect how they've been playing lately. But what a weird stretch they've had. You know, they've lost uh, five of seven ever since, you know, shellacking Cleveland at home. Um, you know, they, they've... They went out and lost back-to-back games against the Magic. Like, that...
1: That is a cry for help.
0: That is not ideal. They do miss OG. Like, OG and you know, it's huge. But Scottie Barnes has to play better. I think that's, that's definitely um, a point of emphasis. Um, you know, I, I feel like... I don't know, man. It, it's it's weird with them as far as their their shot creation goes, and their and and the type of shots that they're taking. But but they again they have the talent to get it done. That's the thing. Like these ebbs and flows is again driving fans nuts. But we know that at their best, these te- like the Raptors are really good and they're really physical and they play good defense. But you know sometimes this kind of stuff happens. They just got to move the ball a little more.
1: They do, but things just have not come together so far. And there's a lot of questions about this team going forward, I think. They
0: hate playing in Florida. <laughs> well,
1: there's there's that. But you want, I mean, so Scotty Barnes is the guy they're going to build around, obviously. That's their future. Yeah. But when you look at this team and you... I mean, we still have some time here, obviously. The, you you talked about at the beginning, like most of the league becomes available for trades beginning on Thursday. And the trade deadline is, is it February 9th? Yeah, February 9th. So there's still plenty of time before then, but I think they've got some real questions, you know, when it comes to this roster and how they're playing, because we can get into this with other teams, but we wonder, like, who's going to be buyers and who's going to be sellers. And you would have to think there's a lot more buyers and sellers, but there's going to be a mystery team or two that's out there. You know, when it comes to sellers and I do wonder if the Raptors could be that team because they've got some contracts that are coming up here, like Fred VanVleet's going to be new, new contract here and Gary Trent Jr. You know, when it comes to Fred particularly, he doesn't fit the timeline age-wise necessarily. Of a Scotty Barnes because Fred's already twenty eight, um, I don't think they would trade Pascal Siakam. But if they did, they would think they'd get a ransom for
0: him. They're not going to trade Pascal
1: and he's twenty eight. I
0: don't. I don't think they would. I don't. They're think they would. not going to. They're, they, they're not going to move Freddie either. That's just, well. They, I don't think these it was, are guys that they have. They are the the, the absolute core. I
1: like, get that. I get that. But I do wonder. When it comes to guys that are... Gary Trent
0: makes sense. Right. Like, Like he hasn't been around forever. Sure. You know, like...
1: But what I'm saying is there's some guys that don't necessarily fit the timeline there that you, you wonder about. And I don't think they'll go that far. If they do, I wouldn't be that surprised. I think it just comes down to where they are, you know, coming up here in a month or so. But this is a team that we thought, okay, they could be kind of a stealth not maybe contender, but top four team in the East. I I think I even said that, you know, and I wasn't alone with that. But now I kind of wonder, like, could they just say, let's make some moves now to sell and get ready for the future that puts us in a better position to continue to build around Scotty and use this formula that we have, but put ourselves in a position where if there's a star player out there, we can go get them because we've got assets. And we can at least maybe clear some money or we can gain some more assets for down the line.
0: I think it's built around Pascal at this moment. But I, Gary, I could see him moving Gary.
1: Gary's the one that obviously I could see the move. Gary's the one I could He's see. He's the most obvious. I don't think they'd move Pascal. Fred would no, hurt with the no, fan base. That would no, hurt the fan base. And they
0: wouldn't do that. And there's no way in hell they would move OG. OG's right. their most important player by far.
1: But I mean, there's, there's, I think there's some questions there with that team. Sure. There's, there's some, there's some big time questions. it?
0: I mean, hey, there's another big, by the way, there's another big man too. Uh, if you want another traditional big man, do you want for, put his hard hat on, get you some rebounds, get some blocks? Kim Birch, someone that barely plays there now. Just an idea.
1: But, oh, can I go off on a total tangent here? Okay. Cause you mentioned Kim Birch. Okay. Did you see, um, Dave McMenamin kind of throw this out there on his podcast a couple weeks ago.
0: No, I, I will say I'd, I have not seen his podcast, but I will like to say shout out to to McMenamin. It was good to see him the other day when the yep. Lakers were in town. Uh, it's one of my guys. He, he's known me since I was like twenty three. So Dave's, Dave's a great guy. It's good to see him, man, and good to see him back in the land where you know it all kind of started for me.
1: He several weeks ago he kind of threw it out there like last year the Raptors made an offer to the Lakers it was Kemp Birch and a first round pick for Taylon Horton Tucker and the Lakers turned it down
0: hmm.
1: just want to throw this out there a, a team probably. that is um shall we Always say, got to bring it back first round pick deficient
0: <laughs> first, round pick defi- <laughs> first round pick deficient. first round pick deficient it sounds like a disease.
1: I know. But I mean, I just want to mention that because
0: sounds like a you know, I'm
1: like they ended up trading THD for Patrick Beverly, who I believe is in the bottom four percent when it comes to offensive efficiency of players around the league with the amount of playing time that he gets.
0: Sure.
1: He's been hideous, to <laughs> say the least. I'm, See, I'm this is why I love court. keeping
0: a ninety four. We're talking about Ken Birch in depth. Sure, You're like, why this, not? this is exactly what I gotta what? throw this
1: out there. Well, well, okay, so I mean, we've mentioned this several times, okay? So, December 15th, it's the unofficial start to the trade season, okay? And and mm-hmm. you know, I know you don't like to talk about trades too much, and it's all hypothetical and blah blah blah, but let's just do this right now. Because, trades, 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 yeah, trades. well, I don't. I really am
0: Bogdanovich is gonna be the hottest name at the trade deadline. That's not the probable. trade deadline for me, okay? But but
1: I don't I don't I I don't think it's gonna be that busy of a trade deadline. I could be dead wrong. I don't know. But it to, to me, as of right now, it seems like there's a lot more buyers than there are sellers. You know, there's there's some teams that we began the season thinking the Pacers, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be big sellers. Now I don't think they're gonna be sellers at all. I mean, just remember couple days before media day, the Lakers and the Pacers almost consummated a deal for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner in exchange for Russell Westbrook. The Pacers mm-hmm. did not do it. Yep. And instead, look at how good that team has been. Yep. And you've got an owner there in Herb Simon who does not like tanking, who does not believe in that. And you can't tell me right now that he would trade both of those guys. Because sure. now instead of Miles... Turner, whose contract comes up at the end of the year, and them, you know, continually having him on the trade block, you think now they're probably more interested in signing him to an extension probably. than anything. Yeah, you know, I could see them still moving Buddy Heel because they have so much depth in their backcourt. Because Benedict Matherin has been such a star. Of course, Dorte is about to come back from his ankle injury. He's going to play a couple of games in the G League, and he could be down in the this weekend. over
0: there. They yeah, got, so I mean, they got some fun.
1: So they've got some things, and I don't think the Pacers are going to be sellers at all. May, like I said, maybe, buddy, but that's it. Um, the Jazz, are they going to be sellers, or are they going to be buyers, or could they be both?
0: The I think they could be both. That, I, that is an interesting situation. Because
1: they're a team that I look at and sit there and going, okay, maybe if there's something out there to where um
0: there's Olenek Clarkson and Beasley those are your three names that you're probably looking at sure Mike so, Conley I don't think they would get rid of I really don't but
1: I think they'd be open to moving Conley because of the salary that's still attached I think Clarkson's a the guy they really want to keep because he is such a fan favorite and I think they're possibly interested in giving him an extension
0: I agree but but, but,
1: but Beasley yeah. yes Olenek yes you know I think Conley, for them- me
0: I, I think it's less about the money for them and more about fostering the environment that they're trying i agree
1: and then there's definitely some value i think
0: is what would hold them back right that's just personally what i'm thinking
1: but i mean they're a team right now because they have assets that if they want to be aggressive and say hey we're not winning anything this year but at the same time we're a hell of a lot better and like people thought like it was going to be three or four years before they were back in the playoffs and like they have just jump-started this whole process and then you know got a King's ransom from the Timberwolves for all these assets to where if they want to go out there and say, Hey, um, Atlanta, you guys don't want that John Collins guy. Um, we'll take him. You know, we, we like him over here. He's not fitting with you guys or well, we, we got a spot for him over here. Or, you know, th- there's going to be other people that could be available that maybe they go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will take that person, you know? Sure. You know, so I, I don't know what they're going to do because they're not obvious sellers, but they can be both at the same time, like we said. I mean, there are other teams that I think are going to try to be buyers maybe when it comes to, you know, the Warriors, obviously. I think the Pelicans. I think the Sacramento the Kings. Need a move. Yes, they do. I think the Sacramento Kings could be if they want to move Harrison Barnes because he's in the final year of his deal. You know, um, the Pistons are probably going to be sellers, Hornets, Rockets, Magic, now, mind you, the Pistons are putting up the bold face of, ah, oh, you know, well, we like our guys. I mean, we're fostering an environment here with Bogdanovich and Alex Burks has been great. And I'm like, yeah, we'll see about that. Because I think the, <laughs> yeah. I, they've got guys on that team that a lot of teams would like. You know, they do. They
0: Remember, too, a lot of these teams that are, you know, possibly posturing themselves to buy, they don't necessarily, if they have the cap space, they don't actually need to include players, too. Don't forget about that. There's deals like that to happen. Absolutely.
1: So, So, but I just think the way, because getting back to what has been our topic uh, for this season, is there's so much parity in this league. I think there's going to be some teams that hold out to the last minute to be sellers, and there's going to be other teams that we had no idea would be buyers that probably want to be buyers now. So does that adjust? You know what it costs to get somebody if there's more buyers. I mean, I don't think it's going to be, you know, T wolves level to get Rudy Gobert, but at the same time, I mean we, we just saw Bogdanovich before the season. They were the Jazz were talking with the Lakers, and all the talk sounded like they want a first round pick. They want a first round pick. They traded him for Kelly Olenek and no pick. Now, mind you, it's worked out really well. For them, Olenek has been a great fit. But now the Pistons sound like we want at least one unprotected pick if we're going to move Bogdanovich to another team, especially if it comes to the Lakers. Right. So, I mean, it just depends on, I guess, the value of a guy of who's getting him and when you're making the trade. That's what it comes down to. And if you can, I mean... If the Pistons can do that, they can get Bogdanovich without giving up a pick and then turn flip him and get a first. Kudos to Detroit. That's a brilliant move. Sure. You know, so but since I mentioned the Lakers and they're perpetually involved in these trade talks about like, are they going to get Bogdanovich? Are they going to make a deal with the Hornets? Could they do something with the Spurs? Uh Could they bring back Kyle Kuzma? All these different things. And then, remember, at the beginning of the season, it was all, they're going to move Russ, they're going to move Russ. And now it's like, ah, well, maybe they're going
0: to keep Russ. Six-man Russ, baby. Making plays four blocks yesterday, baby. Maybe they're going to keep
1: Russ, and they're going to trade Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn. But they still don't want to trade both of the first round picks they have available, but they want a star. I mean, there's all these different
0: things. That Just are call down. New York. Call Charlotte. One of those two. You don't got to get. That's the thing. You're not, the Wizards are not going to trade away Hal Kuzma the way he's playing. He's literally like the biggest difference maker on their team. I mean, I think if you look up at stats on cleaning the glass, he might have the best on-off um, differential in the league.
1: The only so way I think that they would going trade him, to get rid of him. Well, it's weird because there's been two big articles that have come out about Kuzma over the last few weeks, and one was we're building something special here in Washington behind our big three of Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma, and he's a big part of our future. But then there was also the Cal Kuzma is in the final year of his deal. He wants a lot more money, and he wants to play for a big market team.
0: Okay, so if he does the big market thing, then maybe, maybe, maybe.
1: But then, in in that same breath, in one of those articles, I think it was the one talking about like Washington's big three. It was like, yeah, when I was with the Lakers, you know, I had to play behind AD and LeBron, and you know, we all play the same position. and I'm not playing behind those guys.
0: And they're on a they're on a seven game losing streak. Bradley Beal's missed the last four games. Right. That's mind
1: you, Kuzma could say that. But you can't tell me that they couldn't play LeBron, Kuz, and A D all at the same time. Oh, yeah. And it would work great. Yeah. Play Kuz uh, to at me, the three. he answers a lot of different things that they do. It's just Or
0: play LeBron of the three. Don't
1: the bet. only way that I think they would trade Kuzma is if he flat out told them, I'm not re signing here in the off season. Yeah. But if that's the case, LA's not gonna be the only suitor for a good player in Kyle Kuzma. No. You definitely you'd,
0: would not be. You'd get rental Cal uh, Kuzma. And you never know how rentals go, man.
1: Yeah, you NBA might be. NBA rentals,
0: like, eh, it's a risky game.
1: Because you don't want to overpay for that rental because there's a guy that you're sitting going, oh, we want to keep you. And then it's, it's like, a yeah, risky
0: game, man. I'm,
1: I'm going to hit free agency. And you never know once you get to that point because Kuzma. And you don't know
0: how they're going to perform, too, like yeah. when you trade for them.
1: I mean, Kuzma's going to get a bump. He's making $13 million a year. He's going to opt out, and then the dude's mm-hmm. going to get over 20 mil.
0: Yeah.
1: He's going to get between twenty to twenty five million a year. I mean, he he might get a hundred million dollar contract. Mm.
0: Well, let's go. You you were just talking trade ideas, like well, we were just bringing up, I, like bringing up, you know, the Knicks, how I just did there. Yeah, like Fournier makes plenty of sense to me because
1: it would be like Fournier and Camera. So, well, let me ask you this: when it comes to LA, because like I said, at the beginning of the season it was all Russ, and now that's kind of pivoted to to other players that they could move. But I mean. Do you still see a world, or would it make sense to you if they said we still end up
0: trading Russell Westbrook? I know there's a lot of Laker fans that are like, "Oh, we can't justify playing 47 minute, 47 million to a bench player." Like, dude, it is what it is. Make it the best of the situation. Yeah, and he's playing well. Like, he's legitimately playing well. And yeah, sure, he's still bricking threes in clutch time. I get that. You gotta take the open shots first of all. Second of all, that's on roster construction. Third of all, third of all, he's been playing with a really good energy and impacting the team in a very positive way lately. So I don't, I don't, I don't get what you want. I don't get what you want. And ah, I, who are you going to find taking? What is it? Forty 47? seven. Yeah, forty seven is the contract. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who are you going to find taking?
1: That's that's a huge problem to me.
0: Without including
1: I, a pick, right? And. To me, though, I would sit there and say if if Russ stays on this team, he stays on this team and he has been a a bright spot for Mm -hmm. for what they expected going into the season and what he has delivered. And there still are limitations there to me, though, if there is a deal that can be made, despite how well he has played this season, I would still make that deal.
0: Sure. No, because that, and that's completely that's completely reasonable. Because everybody sits there and,
1: and goes, that. okay.
0: Because lately... You, you got to men- give up something to get something. Right. We all know you, that.
1: You mentioned the Bogdanovich trade with LA, and that, that's that been like the hot one lately, right? Mm-hmm. And it'll be, you know, uh, Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn for him. But one player is not going to fix this Laker team. Yeah. And I don't know how fixable they are. There, there's still problems. There's, there's trade-offs, too. Like, they desperately need shooting. Okay, but you need it to the point to where it affects your defense because they need to be able to play better defense. Their defense has sunk, you know, a little bit lately. So there, there's trade-offs. And I don't know, is the trade-off that you get on offense enough to justify what you might be giving up on defense, and especially like in a Bogdanovich trade? Because, I mean, he's having the best offensive year of his season, you know, but at the same time, he is not good on defense. We all know that. But offensively, he fits perfectly, you know. So, to me, LA doesn't need just one player. This is a situation where they like, they need like three players. And I'm not saying star players, they can go star hunting all they want. But tell me if you agree. I think they need three role players and they need size.
0: Yeah. And you, that's, I don't think you get that in one Russell Westbrook deal. Unless, unless you do the Charlotte route. And you go with Rozier and B.J. Washington. Maybe you try and get Mason Plumlee, like you were talking. Would about it be earlier.
1: Plumlee or it would have to be Plumlee or Ubray? It would sure. have to be. But sure. but you could even do a deal where it doesn't include PJ Washington and includes the other three that you mentioned. But I mean, LA would definitely want Washington in that.
0: Not like, um, not that any of those guys are shooting the lights out right now, but right. they have shown the ability to shoot.
1: And maybe you know, with that deal, LA would be taking on a lot of future money, you know, but maybe that's something they would be willing to do depending on, do they have to give up a first round pick with that because they're helping the Hornets, you know, money-wise getting off that money. And LaMelo who's coming back as we're speaking tonight, I believe for the Hornets, you know, he's got a big, you know, rookie extension coming up, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that, that seems to be an option. Could
0: trade for a hurt Gordon Hayward.
1: They could. I don't think they would. That it sounds like L. But that always could be been, part of the right. But it sounds like that's the Lakers are like, no, we we're not doing the deal if we get if we have to take back Hayward. Now the Spurs, they could still do something there with them if they wanted to. You know, um, I just
0: watched Josh Richardson play and he looked good. To good me, though, Lord, did he look good? If you Jose Lito,
1: if you can do a deal that trades Russ and do another deal that trades the, you know, Beverly and none. I know it seems like a big roster turnover, but that's what that team needs. They want to do anything. I mean, Anthony Davis has been on freaking fire. Now, mind you, he's had free throw problems late in games. I cost him the game against Philly cost him the game against Boston. There's other issues that go into it, but it's always going to be like, dude just makes his free throws at the end of the game. They win both those games. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, you, you can sit there and count, Like, there's three, four, five games that the Lakers should have won this season. They were right there for the taking, that they gave up. And if you do that, it's a difference of them being, what are they right now, the 12th seed in the West? And they'd be like the four or the five seed. I'm not saying they're contenders, but they they would be right in the mix, at least in the West. They've shown glimpses, but they have no size. They're sitting there throwing out these three-guard lineups that's making Laker fans, like, hurl. Because they, they're throwing out three guys that are six foot one, you know, at the same time when you've got lineups that have like uh
0: more Austin you, Reeves, more Austin Reeves. They, we're uh, talking about this absolutely we were talking more about Austin's, this before we started recording that move that he put on uh the Celtics when he did a uh he stopped one foot, did a pivot, and jumped up in the air and wrap around to AD for a dunk. It was a gorgeous yeah. move. Gorgeous.
1: But they 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 just need bigger bodies because they've got too many guards. Like you can sit there and say, "Well, I, I agree to play more Austin Reeves, but what is he six foot four? So I mean, you don't want him guarding too many threes. I mean, same thing with Lonnie Walker,
0: he's six foot four. You have Wenyon, but he's hurt.
1: But he's hurt. You know, you, you're, you know, they they bring in Patrick Beverly and like Troy he's Brown be right.
0: played some good defense yesterday. Yeah.
1: Like Patrick Beverly's not going to be your three and D guy that's guarding threes. He gets no. toasted every time because there's a no. size difference. I mean, they go to this lineup." every game now where they've got three guys on the court, you know, that are six foot one or smaller and they get, they get killed by it all the time. And, you know, so they, they just need more size, but I'm like, from your perspective, like what deal do you think would really help them that you think they could actually get done? Like what, what, which one makes sense to you?
0: I think you go out and target someone like like a wing that doesn't get used like anywhere. Like, like, is as underwhelming. You said that they need role players, right? Yeah, they need role players—guys that can defend and can shoot. Uh, someone who's not getting minutes this year—he's old as hell. But I would check in with like the Pelicans on Garrett Temple. Like you know, like <laughs> like something as as simple as that. Like um, you know, whoever's not being used—you know—maybe call Phoenix and try to get Josh Kogi. These aren't wings per se, but Kogi defends and and he's shown that. He's at least got the chance to shoot sometimes. You know, it's not easy because, like you said, a lot of teams are still going for it. Well, Torian Prince, maybe in Minnesota? Do you think
1: Look, Bogdanovich is worth an unprotected first?
0: It's hard to say because that, the Lakers put themselves in a predicament where you have to bow down to every need of the guy that is there. Right. So,
1: well, Bogdanovich to hell is, with
0: your future. Yeah. To hell with any of the plans you have after he's there. So Bo- Bo- is it 33, worth it to me? He's going to no, be 34 next year. Yeah. Is it worth it to me? No. Because defensively, that is a somebody, he's not a great defender. Can he shoot the lights out? Can he create his own shot? Can he secondary play make? Absolutely. He's a good player. He's a really solid player on a contender. No question about it.
1: If Detroit
0: stops. But he's going to guard your best threes? No. Right. No.
1: If Detroit stopped their posturing and as we get closer to play you know, the trade deadline said, all right, we're gonna move some guys. If you don't want to do bogey for an unprotected first round pick, would you do uh bogey, Alec Burks, and Nerlens Noel for Russ and an unprotected first?
0: Bogey, Alec Burks, Noel. For Russ and an unprotected first. What was, the, what was the deal before it? What what are my options?
1: Well, I mean, would Detroit It's bogey and who?
0: Or, or that would have to be the deal?
1: Uh, it would be bogey for Patrick Beverly and uh, Kendrick Nunn. And like a protected first.
0: I would rather do that. Yeah. I would rather do that. Even though you're getting your, your role players back and Burks can fill it up as we know. Noel Block shots, get your rebounds. I. Get
1: Burks that. and Noel are free agents after the season.
0: There you go. They would be rentals too.
1: They would be. But this is
0: the problem with roster construction these days.
1: That's. This is why I say they need more than just one guy. They That'd need multiple guys. Like if they did the, it,
0: can you make they, a cross. Hey, can you make a cross court deal with the Clippers? Robert Covington really hasn't been playing as much this year. Yeah, I just, don't, just, Hey, yeah. that's a. That's a thought. That's, That's somebody that absolutely would make a difference.
1: That, well, when we talk about like if they do a Russ deal, and there's only limited suitors there to do it, oh, you mentioned Charlotte. Like if they do the Charlotte deal, I, like there's still questions about shooting, there's still questions about defense. But to me, I would still pull the trigger on a deal to move Beverly. You know who could be? You
0: know who? You know who could probably? Mm, you know who could probably be had that no one's talking about that just got paid really, 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 really high money.
1: Who
0: that? Duncan Robinson, who could use a change of scenery because he's not been shooting well. He's not quite been in the rotation as much. Uh, Can he defend? Eh. But he is a wing and he can shoot.
1: Well, that's the whole problem. It's like, well, are you getting enough offense to make up for what you give on defense? And that's But, they but they you don't give up out a of it, so it's the in the thing.
0: case of, of Russ, is what oh, I'm saying. Oh, no,
1: but you're taking on long-term money. And, you know, they keep talking about like, oh, we got to try to preserve our cap space, maybe. I'm like, well, the, this the is, Lakers this are is, trying to serve too many masters at the same time. They want to get better, do everything is, right now. And it's all about roster construction. And it all goes back to that, like you said. It's an entire freaking mess. Because if you look at them, you know, when it comes to like um, shooting numbers, They're basically, there's other teams that shoot the three worst, but they're the worst shooting team with a constructed roster. And it's been shown time and time and time and time and time and time time again that if you have LeBron James on your team, you surround him with shooters and you win games and they've done the exact opposite approach (laughs) and not surrounded him with shooters.
0: Just go just go with Joe Harris or something. It's I don't not know. that freaking Figure difficult,
1: but instead they go, Oh, we know better than everybody else. You yeah. know? And it's like
0: And we're back to square one and so keep it ninety four, everybody.
1: Well, you're wasting LeBron <laughs> at this age, you're wasting A D who's looking back in his prime, but you know, it's crazy. Awesome tomahawk
0: the other by the way, by by Braun in the open floor. Oh, it brought bad memories.
1: But I mean, getting back to you know what teams we think could be moot you know, make moves. I'll talk about the Pacers again, because I really wonder, like, could they do something now to improve because they have played so well, they play with such a great pace. Duarte's about to come back. I think that they could get something. I think that Buddy Heald could be had. Yeah. He and, could they, be. They could and then that would something. open
0: up time for Mathurin. I could see that. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. The Sacramento Kings. Could they do something? Cause Harrison Barnes is on an expiring contract. Could they do something and say, let's make a move right now. They've got a very aggressive owner there. With uh, Vivek, you know, so you know now that they've looked a lot better and look like they could be a playoff team. I'm not trying to put the cart in front of the horse, but as desperate as they have been to be a playoff team, do they say, "Hey, let's really go for it right now? Come on, you know?"
0: Yeah. We'll see.
1: I, I mean, they're they're a team that I'm that I'm looking at going like the the Grizzlies. The way that they're constructed, they could they could make a move. And really push their chips in, considering where everything's at this year. I think the Hawks are an interesting to watch because behind the scenes there's some drama there. But they, I think they got a good roster. There's
0: always drama there. And the that one is interesting to me because I brought it up earlier. But you know they have Kaminsky there, Capella. We, we I mean Okong was clearly the the better between him and Capella at this moment. Me at least when I watch him play. Um I'm interested to see what happens with with that situation. It, or if or if they don't feel like Okong was ready to go, you know, like as as the guy cuz he's still only 22. Like literally just turned 22 3 days ago. Um Yeah. But interesting, interesting. Uh the big man situation there.
1: I mean, there there's guys that are not playing that well that um like you mentioned, maybe 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 they just need to change the scenery because you meant you know, that Fournier for Cam Reddish. That, that's the talk right now. Like anybody who wants Cam Reddish, who makes was he make like five million a year? Like you got to take Fournier, who has another year, and then I think the year after that might be an option or just like do personally. it. Just
0: I'm do like, it quickly. Quickly apparently could be had too, because the reason they're on this whole like nice run is because Miles McBride's playing. Um, you know they're letting Quentin Grimes play a small forward. Um, They're playing them, you know, together. And then obviously, you know, RJ Barrett's been playing better, Um, you know, as predicted as, you know, we knew he wasn't going to suck for that much longer. Um, You know, Julius Randle's playing good ball. That one's interesting to me uh, too with, with Randle, because, you know, we've heard his name pop up in trade rumors before when he wasn't playing so good. And now he's, you know, back to being Julius Randle again. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, change of scenery, I think that is a really good point. Like, again, I think guys like Duncan Robinson, Joe Harris, you got, um, you know, some of these players who could just use a fresh start. Fresh but, start, even though, like they're, guys on, like that even though they're on bad money. Like, like you said, Evan Fournier is on that list. You they're, know, they're, like...
1: But you're talking about guys that in the past have been shooters. Yep. But do not play very good defense and are making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it's a risk. It is. Is the trade off enough on what you get on one end of the court to offset what they do on the other end of the court?
0: You know what I've learned since uh, going through all these rosters and stuff like that? And, and, a, and a lot of teams kind of take it for granted when they have them wings are in a premium.
1: Huge premium. There's a
0: lot Huge. of guards and bigs. I'm not seeing a lot of 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", guys. Maybe because they're all on Toronto and Orlando. <laughs> right. But, but, like, I'm not seeing a lot of that type of talent.
1: Oh, they're all know? on the Clippers, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: By the way, you want to talk about a team that I wonder what they could get for them. Uh, Orlando.
0: Yeah, go out and get. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, they got Terrence Ross, who's been on the trade deadline for the last couple of years. But, like, he's in his final year. Remember, they, they re-signed, um, oh, God, what's his, like, Gary Harris, you know, to, uh, like, a trade-friendly deal. Yeah. Not that he's putting up big numbers or anything, but he might be wanted and they could move him. Uh Mobamba is somebody that maybe a team would take a flyer on or could, could move, you know, they could maybe help somebody. So, I mean, Orlando is a team that I would look at because they're definitely going to be sellers. Sure. Like the Rockets? Who's going to get Eric Gordon? Um, who else on that team might no be No one's going to
0: trade for Boban, I don't think, unfortunately. No.
1: Kevin Porter Jr.?
0: Uh, I'd slow your roll on that one.
1: His name has been out there, but I've kind of been like... K.J. Like, Mar-
0: mm-hmm. Martin It makes probably more... Yeah. You know, just because of the pecking order of those guards. Right. Maybe J. Sean Tate could be had because... He hasn't put, he hasn't played all season, first of all, uh, or he's barely you know he's barely barely played at the beginning of the season, I should say. But maybe that's someone you could look at because they've got Jabari and they've got you know Jalen and they got you know, Garuba up there come, trying to get some minutes. And Shangun's been playing some really good ball. Maybe that's someone you could look at. And we know how talented sean has been, you know. So I don't know. They can't pay all of them. That's always the the, the thing we say, right? right? And they just paid to Jay Sean too. Jay Sean just got a contract last uh summer. So
1: let me uh let me throw one last thing at you before we get out of here. Will John Collins finally be traded? And if so, where?
0: I mean, it's t- it's time. Like it's been time, man. It's been time if they don't get it done. I, we still got two months until the trade deadline, folks so just because they are eligible to be traded on right. December 15th doesn't mean they're going to be traded as soon as midnight hits and tomorrow. it rarely
1: happens on December 15th or right. December there's guys 16th there's guys who, who
0: become trade eligible on January 15th right. Don't, let's not forget that yeah. but I mean it it's almost it's been time with John yeah. um you know you can kind of see the writing on the wall I think
1: his name his numbers are suffering there and I think it, it you want well, to talk you about know, you have A.J.
0: Griffin, who's looked really good. Oh, absolutely. You just brought in DeJounte Murray. I know he's been hurt, but, um, you know, you just brought in DeJounte Murray to be Trey Young's, you know, sidekick now. Or uh, maybe not sidekick. He might be more of a leader than Trey at this moment. He, he
1: but, is, but somehow Trey Young has a has a higher PER than he had last year.
0: Well, you know, it, 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 it really helps, you know, kind of getting those guys off the ball. I hate that I said sidekick because they just brought someone in to take – the pressure off of Trey. Trey sure. is by no means a, a robin. Um, you know, they've you know got guys that are are getting more minutes, you know, like DeAndre Hunter, he's still so young um and so effective in what he does. And he he plays the four sometimes, you know? Like so John, it's tough because you know, you have Okongwu there too. And Okongwu is just all-around better defensive player. Offensively, obviously, you know, John's got more um, spunk to him than Okongwu does, but anyone that needs a lob threat, you know, John Collins. You know, it makes perfect sense for John Collins. Uh, you know, originally I thought Brooklyn was the perfect fit because you know the the Hawks could use another shooter and Joe Harris fits like that. You know, who f- makes the most sense? And I almost dropped an F bomb because it makes too much sense. <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks. Oh boy, you want a lob threat, Luca? Use him. Put Christian Wood there on the uh, perimeter if you want to. I don't know. But I, I feel like that would be a tremendous fit.
1: I feel like Christian Wood could be had.
0: Oh, and maybe that's a, you know, like, okay, Atlanta will give you more playing time thing. I don't know. But like, I think that that makes too much sense. Luca and John Collins.
1: It's just, is there, um, is there a trade to be had there? Well that works for both. You'd have, to look
0: at, you'd have to look at Bertans or or Hardaway, I would think. Yeah. Um
1: I don't know if that's something that's Atlanta's interested in.
0: Tim Hardaway. Bench punch? I'd maybe take that. I would take that. They they don't mm-hmm. really have what they have bogey, right? They have bogey there. hmm Bogey just came back. Mm. Two different bogeys, by the way, when you're listening here. There's right. Bogdan and Boyan. Boyan is who we were talking about earlier. Bogdan is who we're talking about now. Uh, by the way, since he's come back, he's putting up 10 threes a game. <laughs> he, he, he's shooting him. He's shooting him at a 39% clip, averaging 18 a game since he's come back.
1: We'll, we'll see how active everything is in trade. I mean, we didn't even mention Chicago Bulls, who are you know, the 11th seed right now in the East. And we'll
0: Yeah, your see. Lakers are apparently going and getting uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Vooch, right? Yeah. Oh,
1: well, well. Apparently the Bulls GM have said, the hell no, we're not trading those guys. But uh, we're not going to do a deal with them. But who knows who's saying what right now. And they keep saying they want to hold out until they get Lonzo Ball back. But we don't know when he's coming back. Because what was it, like a week, 10 days ago, something like that, where they said, like, still has you know pain in his ankle. It's a very, very slow process. I don't think he's going to play this year. Uh, and it's it's tough to watch because it didn't seem like it was that major of an injury. And now it's lingered for, you know, the last half of last season. He hasn't played this season. Um, every time it seems like there's a step forward, there's a step back, you know, and who knows when he's going to get back on the court.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that it's a really good way to put it. Last thing before we go, not related to trades because they've made plenty of them and they've made plenty of moves. Sixers. Sixers back on top. They're looking good. They're looking good, and that's coincided with Joel Embiid being an absolute freaking monster. Remember when the first week was around, and I was like, "Ah, eh, he's not healthy. Just wait. Yeah, I think so. Another 50 spot this past weekend. 53 points, 12 uh, rebounds against. Might my, my as well say it, too. They are the lowly Charlotte Hornets, but they did just beat the doors off of Uh, the Kings. You know, they've... Joel Embiid's been dominant since... He's Joel Embiid. Let's just put it that way. The one game he wasn't dominant was at Cleveland against Jared Allen and company. But... Or, no, sorry. Jared Allen didn't play that game. That was Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley did a good job on him. But that was also because Doc didn't feed him in the post. I didn't understand that one bit. But... JoJo looking like JoJo. Um... Harden looking fresh. All I got to do is get Maxi back, and they're right in the saddle again. Tell you this team's very dangerous, guys. Very dangerous. What do you think, Bry?
1: Well, I'm glad that everybody is starting to get really healthy there, and like you said, starting yeah. to put it together. I mean, yeah. we were worried about Embiid at the beginning of the season. We wondered about Harden. Uh, they're fine. Finally- they missed a
0: whole month. He missed a whole month. They're still mm-hmm. fine right there in the mix
1: they're right there they're just kind of hanging around until we got back
0: everyone's hanging around right now in the nba it's crazy man it's crazy west is bunched up east is bunched up trade eligible players coming on december 15th fun times in the nba fun times almost fun times. holiday time almost holiday time if as a gift if you want to be nice to your boys here at keeping it in 94 you can subscribe rate and review To this podcast, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Make sure you check out basketballnews.com. I plead you, if you like good, well-researched, well-written, well-executed interviews. I'm going to pat myself on the back on this one. Did a great piece with Malik Monk when they were in Cleveland. The Kings, that is. Came in here, won 106-95. Big, big game. Uh, Malik Monk was great. That dude is a goofball. He is hysterical. He has brought a new energy and life into Sacramento. Uh, And they are playing fast and furious. He's playmaking his ass off. So I decided to go and ask him about it. I asked Mike Brown about it. Harrison Barnes. Chemezi Metu. So make sure you check out that interview. It's called The Connector on basketballnews.com. It's got a really sweet, piece of art as the uh, feature work, thanks to Neil Bolo, our graphic designer. But it's tremendous, and I think uh, I did a good job on it. I will pat myself on the back for that one. I've been doing a lot of those this year, folks. Talked to him, DeAnthony Melton, um, was my other latest one. I did a Jared Allen article. I've been writing like a fiend here uh, this season. You know, A.J. Griffin was one, Nick Richards on the Hornets, Jamal Cain on the Heat. Been really enjoying doing this, Bryce. So, just giving myself a little pat on the back and a plug here because I want people to consume it and hopefully enjoy the work that I've done. So, yeah, go there. Go to basketballnews.com. Uh, again, subscribe, rate, review uh, to this podcast, please. You can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies. You can find Brian on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I'm also on Instagram at Spin Davies. He's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. And before the lovely holidays arrive and the snow starts to come in here into the land, make sure everybody get nice and cozy, get your favorite hot chocolate, pop on your favorite Christmas special, and until that next time you listen to us with your ears. Take it easy.